Welcome to Jessica Miles, the podcast, where each week we'll discuss my experiences as a professional spiritual medium, intuitive healer, and mentor. I'll be sharing what I've learned while developing as a psychic medium and facilitator of ancient healing modalities and much, much more. You were born with this innate ability to communicate and co-create with the unseen realms of the universe. This podcast is for those on a path of self-discovery and spiritual development, seeking grounded and practical tools to feel deeply rooted into spirit. I'm your host, Jessica Miles. Now let's dive into today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It is January 15th, 2024, as I sit down to record this intro. Ah, wow. I took a break from rushing into the year and starting off with tons of sessions and mentorships. And I've taken this last two weeks to just be and to sort of anchor in and reflect deepen. I also was on call for jury duty. So that really left my schedule to be wide open. Um, and it's been great. I've been feeling really good about taking off as much time as I have the last quarter. I'm still sort of navigating what I want my calendar to look like for the remainder of the year. And I will be making some updates Um, in a newsletter and some availability as it relates to the month of February. I will be guiding um, a group of women through the Transcend series um, in middle February. And so I feel like that's when I'm going to start to move my energy a bit more. I wanted to start the year really anchoring into the physical body and continuing some of the routines that I gathered um, over the last four or five months. And yeah, that's just where I'm at. I hired a trainer to do some strength training. I'm continuing with Pilates and I've been journaling a ton and just resting and it's been amazing. (laughs) So I wanted to share this episode with you. I was a guest on Leilani's podcast. Um, It's Leilani the Mana Medium, and she has a podcast called The Spirit Reach Podcast. She was a guest on my podcast a few weeks back in November, episode 29. I highly suggest you listen to that episode. It was incredible. Um, And there's a lot of synchronicities that sort of tie these two episodes together. So I'm going to go ahead and share that interview that I had with her on this podcast today. And please let me know what you think. I will be back to recording a solo for next week. And I have a couple guests lined up towards the end of the month. And I'm really looking forward to sharing those teachers with you. But until then, I hope that you enjoy your week and you enjoy this episode and let me know what you think. Thank you. Hi, and welcome. Today I have Jessica Miles. Hello again. (laughs) 
there's a lot of energy that's been built up since we met last. And so I just wanted to do a recap and see what's been going on in your life for the last few weeks. I know. I feel like that was like a, there was so much that happened. I think during, once we stopped recording, I feel like there was just so much happening between our conversation and the synchronicities. And and since our last conversation, I, I really just got back from Shasta last night. Mount Shasta in Northern California, which was in a really incredible trip. It was an interesting trip. There were some interesting things that happened that I'm still processing with this guide that we had. But I'm on the I'm on like the high of that trip because I just got back last night and I feel really good to be around like the mountains and snow and nature and a lovely group of ladies. So I had a good time. Seems like you get to go to a lot of sacred spaces. Whenever I look at your Instagram, I'm like, wow, she gets to go to all these beautiful places. What guides you to these places? Honestly, I didn't used to be this way. I was very much short travel. I would have never gone on a trip alone without my kids or any of these things prior to my awakening. But I just have seen like these little glimpses and visions through the last almost six and a half years and have just trusted the nudges to go. And one of the first visions that I got before I even really knew what was going on with my ability was I saw this very clear vision of me being in Peru with two women on a very private excursion. I didn't know who the two women were in the vision. I was like, there's no way I would do that without my husband or my kids. I can't imagine going to this foreign country that I've never been by myself. But it was definitely like a conversation that was had over the last handful of years. And then it came into fruition last year. My One of my dear friends asked me to go with her on this very sacred trip to sit with an uh, indigenous shaman to do some heart medicine. And then when I was there, that's when I realized she was the person in the vision. I didn't know her back then. And so since I've said yes to these, my journey, I've called in all sorts of medicine where I'm like, I just want to connect with different sacred places around the earth. And if I'm meant to be there, allow me to be there. And so when I was in Peru, I hadn't even finished my trip yet. I think I was, I think I was on the plane or getting ready to plane to come home. And I got a, a message from Danielle, Squamish Medium, said, Oh, I'm having a retreat in Canada. And I said, Yes, because I asked for more heart medicine, more mountains, more, more snow, more earth, more this. And so I was like, there it is. And so I've just learned to say yes to things when they arrive. And even if they don't make sense sometimes. Like I had a handful of clients reach out and say, hey, do you want to go to Mount Shasta? I never traveled with them before. And it was just, I was like, you know what? I'm, I think I'm supposed to be there. And so I just trust it. And I've been very fortunate to be able to have those experiences. My husband's very supportive and allows me to get away while he takes care of the kids. And so, yeah. so with this last trip, was there an intention set going there? Was there a purpose? I didn't know exactly what that was in that moment when I said yes. I knew I wanted to go to Mount Shasta. It's been calling me for a couple of years. And one of my dear friends, Allie, we had been talking about it um, and we just hadn't pulled the trigger on it yet. And then when I said yes, all of a sudden I, have you heard of the Sophia Code? Sounds familiar. It's not okay. ringing a bell though. Okay. So it's a, it's a book that this woman channeled with all the different uh, goddesses of the earth. And it's a long, I have it on audible because each transmission where you connect with each goddess is like an hour and a half. And so it takes a while to get through the whole process. And I forgot about it because I got through, I think like halfway through the, through the transmissions. 
And all of a sudden, oh, I need, I need to listen to Sophia Code. And when I turned it on, it was transitioning into the new goddess, which was Sacred White Buffalo. And, and I did not know that specific goddess was aligned with Mount Shasta. And I had already said yes to the trip. How wild is that? Yeah. And so I was like, oh my God, that's so wild. I'm like, okay, so obviously I had already said yes to that transmission. And then I had said yes to this trip. So I almost felt like it was going to be like a like closing of experience. And yeah, so when I got there, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is all the synchronicities were aligning. Some of the, my dreams were coming back with some of the ladies, the guide that we had that took us onto Man Mount Shasta. I had deja vu of a dream that I had. And I was like, oh my God, I just had deja vu. I'm now I'm like starting to remember some of the dreams I had leading up to the trip. So little signs like that just show me that I was supposed to be there. Like it's obviously I needed to be there for a reason. I just saw your reel really quick before we came on. Was that where you just were? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was so necessary and so needed 100% because I tend to want to end my year. Every year I do this, I want to end it with a bang. And every year my body says, no, this is your time to hibernate. This is your season to get quiet. And almost every year I say, well, yeah, this is my season to get quiet. I'll maybe I do less clients, but I sign up for a big class and that's still not me getting quiet. And so while I was there, we were all the girls and I were talking about it. We're like, it's so still here on the mountain. You could there was no birds, there was no sounds. There was it was just complete stillness and snow and quiet. And I was reminded of, oh my gosh, this is the season. Like I'm supposed to be in the season of stillness and just that void. And I was getting so many messages around that. And I was actually just writing another post before we got on here. And I was like, oh, oh I we forget that this time of year. I guess in the Northern hemisphere with it being like winter or fall or, you know, autumn, whatever we want to call it, like just leading into the colder months. I just forget like that the bear goes to hibernate, like with the bears working so hard all year and it's taking in all his energy and then goes into sleep and she knows to go to sleep to rest to be ready for spring. But I feel like we as humans, we forget to do that. And so I was getting that message very clearly while I was there. This is your time to really go be internal and to be in that void. And so that was why I needed to close down my calendar so much during this season, which I finally listened. <laughs> I finally listened and like really cleared out my calendar and I have been tested. I've had many people reach out for urgency sessions and I've had to say no. And so it's been definitely like me checking in with myself to see what does my body need and, and what, what is needed for this next year as we go into 2024, which is wild. That's interesting. I, this time of year, I feel that's when I start to get energy. Like the summertime, I'm very hot and I need to rest or relax. And then come winter, I just feel that's when I'm supposed to be very active. I, I love that. It's so good to know your seasons, especially as a reader. I always feel like I have a teaching season and I have a, a season where I really want to do a lot of one-to-one but it took me some time to figure that out. Now I feel like I found my rhythm where I'm like, okay, these are my seasons. These are my seasons. So it's nice that, especially because you have, you have be like way better weather than we do too. I feel like you guys have so much. I don't know. Hermosa Beach is pretty fabulous, but I feel like when we have so much sun, it's hard to figure out like when our seasons are. Yeah. I, I tend to have more energy when it's not so hot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. But I would like for you, if you don't mind, if you can share a little bit about your offerings, because I know you're an amazing womb shamanic 
womb shaman. Is that what you call yes. it? Okay. Yes. I don't call myself a shaman, but I do offer a session called Womb Journeys, which I do lean into practices of womb shamanism. And that was when that fell into my lap, I, I was really on a journey of reconnecting with my own sacral energy or my divine feminine energy. And what I found in doing that in my own healing, it just changed me in such a way that I wanted to hold space for others in that way because I work with so many women and so many moms. And, and it's been a beautiful practice of connecting and rebuilding that relationship with the womb space because so many women we do, we disconnect from it in such a way. I don't think I ever shared this with you, but around the time when we first met, I was going through a lot of grief in my womb. And I remember you you had put an offering out there and I think it was months later. And I was like, okay, I need to do this because I need to start acknowledging this part of me that is grieving. And it took me, I want to say about a year to actually acknowledge this grief that I'm holding in this space. And I'm not even willing to look at it. That wasn't the first time that I had worked with you. It was a time before that. And we, we were pulling the energy. And I'm, I work clairaudiently, so I hear a lot. And you were pulling the energy from, it felt like from one part of my head where the, I received the information out from the other. So from the left to the right. And I was like pulling the energy and I was cleaning it out. And I think you were guiding me or there's some, I forgot exactly the details, but I remember we were pulling the energy and I could actually feel it being pulled out. And there was like a pop and there's even, I could feel it being physically released from my ear. And before that, and I think it was like weeks up to that session, I would go to the doctor because I felt like I had something stuck in my ear and my right side of my ear and they would look in there and they were like there's nothing in there I'm like no but there's gotta be something in there there's I feel that there's something in there and then and then we had our session and it just that energetic release it cleared it up and I was shocked I was completely mm -hmm. shocked that was the first time I think I had like a physical like nagging thing happen in my body and then I was actually able to have that release, have that. And it just felt so good. It felt, I don't even know how to explain it. It just felt like the pressure was gone. It was not in that space anymore. I love that. I remember the first time I experienced it too. It was just like, it was almost like when you burp or when you belch or when you move something out of the body, and you're like, whoa, that practice that you're looking about, remember it. I think it was with the group in our cohort, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was leading you guys through a practice of one manipulating and moving energy out of the body, but it was very specific to the psychic channels in the face mm -hmm. and how we can clear those out, especially as readers, because we're constantly reading energy and just information can get stuck in our, in our, what I, I like to say, our ENT, our ears, nose and throat. And that's one that I, I love to teach. And th that's what I do in my mentorships is I love to teach all of those tools and to show people that we have this incredible ability to use our energy to not only read it, but to clear it and to know it and to move energy out of the body that's foreign. And um, sometimes people say negative or bad or not good, but I just like to say it's yours or it isn't mm -hmm. and take that charge from it and just feel empowered in knowing that we're incredible beings that can heal our own energy. We just have to know what our energy is. And so that was a fun practice. And I do love 
doing womb healings and teaching people how to do them on themselves. But it is a more tender practice, right? Because like you said, we do experience a lot of grief and then there's childbirth, there's a relationship. And then we think of sex and what's our relationship with sex. And I was raised with a lot of shame around sex and and I didn't want to feel feelings. And so I've disconnected from my womb in many ways throughout my life and my journey into diving back into the womb and building a relationship with the womb has been the most powerful practice in opening up my own ability and intuition. Because you think of, oh, we don't want to feel this. And I think we've talked about that, right? Where we're like, we sometimes we don't talk about sex. We don't talk about touching. We don't talk about those things because that's just the way that I was raised. I was raised in a very Asian household with moms and my mom and my aunties that were like, don't do this or don't do that. And I had a very protective father that would teach me what boys would say if you do certain things. There's a lot of shame around sex. And so I had to work through those layers. And then I had traumatic childbirth and like all these things. And those things over time, like layers, will turn that center, I don't want to say off, but it mutes it a bit. It makes it a bit foggy and we feel disconnected from it. And then what happens is our cycles feel off. Maybe we miss them. Maybe they're heavy. We think of pregnancy. Maybe sometimes we lose the pregnancy. There's just so much that can happen there that the body will, in a way of protecting you, in a way of allowing you to gain awareness or look at the area, will give off physical manifestations within the body to let you know that something needs to be acknowledged, seen or heard, or maybe just loved on a bit. And so doing that through the womb work is very powerful. And I always tell my clients when they do it, it's just, it's not a one hit wonder. That's just an exploration. And in those sessions, you leave with information and tools that you can take and you can do on a daily practice or a weekly practice, maybe monthly practice, or maybe with your moon cycles. I always say trust your intuition, but it's something, it's an invitation really. Okay. You're opening up this beautiful womb space to explore it. And then you're going to go off on your journey to build that relationship with it. Yes. I was really young when I started menstruating before I was even a teenager, preteens. And immediately from the time I started having my menstrual cycle, it was bad. It was really bad. And the first thing, my mom took me to the doctor and they put me on birth control to help regulate my periods because they were just like, I couldn't go to school. I was on the ground crying, no Tylenol, nothing would help me. When I think back to why I was having such heavy, painful periods, I think about the trauma. I'm someone who is a victim of sexual trauma as a child. And I think about that and then living with the shame of that experience mm -hmm. and then coming into my womanhood that it was like almost making me uh, face things that I wasn't at that age to fully quite understand. And mm -hmm. so my entire life, I've been holding things there and it's really something I actually avoid. If you were to look at my body, you would think that everything was normal, right? When I look at my body, the one thing that really sticks out is that area. A lot of fat that hangs out there, but not only that, I could feel the energy that's being stored there. And I'm not really able to look at it. I'm ignoring it pretty much. I'm like, I'm not ready to do it. 
So I can feel that it's there. It's like this nagging thing that I'm fully aware of that's there. I'm just like, I don't want to put in the work. I don't want to do the work to, I don't know why. It's like something I feel that has been a big issue for me, but it's just, it goes so deep. It goes back to when I was a little kid and maybe it's so painful. It just feels like I can't get there yet. Like I still have a lot to unfold before I can like fully let it go type of thing. Do you feel like a lot of your clients that come to you are women who have that kind of trauma and that are ready to look at it and you've helped them guide through releasing? Yes, I have. a. I do work with a lot of women that have had those experiences and to be very, very vulnerable, I also have an experience. And so I think that's why I draw in those women because I can relate in that way. And I always like to look at it from a very tender place. And I love that you just said you have the awareness that it's there and you have the awareness that it's deep and you have the awareness that you're not quite ready to deal with it just yet. And that's okay. And I do understand too, because I have a C-section scar and whenever mine blows out and gets like this fluid around it, I always know that's my body's way of protecting me from something that I'm not quite ready to feel in that moment. And so what I like to do in those cases, and especially with the women that I work with, is not all women come up to my sessions and say, hey, this is what happened to me. But if if I'm in a session and spirit shows me that they've had an experience, may have been an abuse or a violation, they will bring it through in a way that is very gentle. And it's usually in a way that it, it reminds me of pulling like a little thread. And little by little, your body will begin to release any memories or pain around the thread. And so maybe your body shows me a specific age. It could have been from childhood. Maybe it was a relationship. So it just depends, right? Like a relationship in current time could ignite some of the pain from early childhood. And so sometimes they'll bring it to me in like almost a slideshow. And your body will only release what it's wanting to release in that moment. And I'm not the type of healer that will dig and poke at things. I'll listen to the body and I'll I'll actually hear the body say, I've had enough and I honor that. But sometimes it comes in layers. And then sometimes I have people come in and it's just, I'll say, oh, there's a timeline between this age and this age. It's anchored around this frequency or feeling. Would you understand what that is? And then they'll just say, oh, X, Y, Z happened to me. And I didn't even see that, but they knew what it was. And then I'll feel an energetic release through that. So a lot of times it's just the awareness, which is incredible. And so when you're dealing with something that is that tender, I don't want you to ever feel like shame around, I don't want to look at that. You already have awareness around it, which is allowing you to want to release it slowly through the body. And I always say, just honor your little girl. I've had to coach. I'm going to give you a very personal example because I knew my whole life, I always had this like fear of something happening to me. And then now obviously having kids, fear of something happening to my children. I always associated that with the way that my dad had raised us because he was so protective, so protective. I never had any memory of somebody ever harming me or anything like that. But I just, there was something there. I'm not going to get too much, but over time and through my own healing work and knowing some history within our family, I was able to have rememberings of me being aware and in a room of something happening. 
Now, I've been doing my healing work for six and a half years-ish, intentionally for six and a half years. It's only come to the surface this last year, what really happened. And it, I was like, oh, wow, I did not know that was there. But I, I can see why my guides didn't show me the full picture quite yet, because I wasn't ready for it. And so that when it did come through, my grandmother in spirit is the one who walked me through it. It wasn't so painful. Don't get me wrong. It obviously was something that happened to me, but I was able to see it from a different perspective, from not from a place of me blaming myself. I was able to see it from a, a more of a healed space, if that makes sense. And then it gently let go out of the body. I had my release, my emotional release. And it was almost like what we talked about earlier, where it just felt like, oh my gosh, like I just, this whole thing just came out and it was much gentler than probably if I would have seen it maybe five years ago at the brink of my awakening, I probably would have had a different response to it. Who knows? I don't know. And so I always like to say, just be very gentle on yourself and you and take so much sweet time with it. And then also spirit will always remind me, don't try to blame or shame anything. Just know that it's there to release from you. It's not your fault. Just know that it's like there to be witnessed and to be released. And then a lot of times you don't have to revisit it. You know that it's there. Where do I feel it in my body? Like when I'm talking to your body in this moment, I can feel where you feel it in the body. And I'm lovingly talking to your body off the side and saying, it's okay, you can let it go, right? And so just know that you can really be tender with it and you can do it on your own time. And you don't even necessarily need someone like me to hold you. You can do it with your guides. Wow. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you for saying all that something that came to me this morning and you just said that it's the layers like these layers that kind of get stacked up from the time we're born first experiences that we have with trauma womanhood and sex and how we identify and is this good is this bad and so there's these layers that just keep stacking over time mm -hmm. and this memory that I was brought to when I first woke up this morning was the birth of my first daughter and how I really wanted to have this natural birth. I wanted to do it at home in, a, in the tub, like in water. Like I had this whole vision. And, and then at some point I was told that can't happen for me. In my mind, I was like, okay, I'm not going to have a birth doula. I'm not going to have anybody help me because I'm told that I need to be at the hospital. And so I accepted that for myself. And then when I had gone into the hospital, they were like, oh, the nurses, they're supportive when you're going through your contractions and you'll be very well supported here at the hospital. They're selling me the hospital, you know, first time mother, I'm having contractions and I'm, oh boy, this is reminding me of my worst period cramps, <laughs> bringing me back to that 10 year old Leilani on the floor thinking I'm dying. That's what labor felt like to me. I'm like, mm -hmm. I felt this in my childhood. Like, this is insane that this is what contractions feel like. But when I got to the hospital, there was no support. There was no one asking me if I needed anything or holding my hand. I was walking up and down. It was one o'clock in the morning and I would walk up and down the hall because they were saying you should move, you should walk. And so I felt very alone. I felt like I was going through this whole journey, this 
experience on my own. My partner, he's sleeping. He worked all day. He wasn't expecting to have the baby that night. And so it was something that I had to do on my own. And in that moment, it was incredibly painful because I just wish I had my mother or a sister or someone to help me say that I'm doing a good job or rubbing my back. And I felt very alone in that space. But that alone, that experience of not having the support, that's grief that I hold within that space alone. And so it's like another thing, another layer. And then the pressure that I put on myself for not being able to have a natural birth, I think, well, if I were back in this age or time, I probably would have died giving birth. So there's that thing to think about too. It's so true. And and again, even as you're talking and saying how you're feeling, I'm feeling energy move out of your womb space, which is incredible. So it's even like you're, you're saying it, you're talking about it, you're giving it a voice, you're talking out loud. That mm-hmm. There's power in that. There really is. Because I always say, it's almost like the information, we just shove it down and it's internal, but we're just giving it air. We're just letting it release. I had a very similar birth story. I I was, I got talked out of doing a home. I was like, oh, maybe I'll do this. And it was just very much like hospital driven. I had to have an emergency C-section. So my I wasn't planning for a C-section. I had planned for everything else, but I don't know why I didn't plan for a C-section. And it was very traumatic. I was postpartum. It was very traumatic. And that was, that's very common for women. Like we, we get trapped in that story of we it didn't happen the way that we thought it was going to happen. We didn't feel like we were, we did our job in the way that we were meant to deliver, like the stories that can come up and that will come up and those stories will usually come up in a womb healing. And so if I hear that or I see that, what happens is I'll do energy work in utero. So we'll release mm-hmm. that, that frequency from the child. And I do, and like, even though you're like, let's like, like my daughter is 14 and my son is going to be 10, I'll still hear their stories when I'm doing womb healings on myself of what they absorbed from what my mindset was while I was pregnant. Now with my daughter, I was a completely different pregnant mom than I was with my son. And so I can see how my fears transferred onto my daughter, like anxiety and stuff. And so I'll work her energy off to the side. And that only, it peaks in different moments, just so come in different times. And so you'll see some of that birth story from utero. I think like grandmother to mother to child, like those impressions get transferred down. But what's incredible though is that you can dissolve the energy. And a lot of the times that what our kids are experiencing is just something that they picked up in utero and they think that it was their belief system. And so we'll work that energy of that as well. And so it's incredible. Like I said, the womb work is, it's deep work, but it's beautiful work. And I always tell people they need to rest when they do it too, because it is this sort of it does remind me of winter a bit, right? Like you think of we go in labor and how you just said how I was alone. And I just, it's, it is this, it is the sort of initiation that women go through when we have children. What led you to focus on womb healing? I got a download from my guides and then uh, my grandmother in spirit, my mom's mom. And I'm trying to figure out what I want to share on here with being so respectful to my mom. I'm just asking her higher self what I can share here. Okay. So my mom's mom, my grandmother, I never knew her. She passed away when my mom was 14, 15 years old. But she's always been a strong presence. 
in my life as like a guide or and very much a strong guide from the moment I entered my my awakening or I want to say my journey to my awakening where I'm saying yes and I'm learning about my abilities. She showed me that in order for me to fully become whole, I had to look at my ancestry stories and my relationship on my mom's side, my relationship on my father's side. And she said that the huge part of the healing that has to take place in the women of my family is addressing the womb. I didn't know what that meant at the time, but I said, okay, if that's the case, then send me towards the teachers, the healers, the mentors who are here to help me and assist me in understanding the womb and connecting with my feminine energy. And so I had a mentor at the time who I'd go see, and she was the one who would help me through the process of healing my own womb. And then I would meet with my loved ones in spirit. And then I got like more details into some of the stuff that was happening within the family. So within my mom's family, there was a lot of miscarriage. There was abortion. There was abuse. They didn't show me just sexual. It was more, it was also just physical, verbal, mental, and how that was housed in the womb of the women in our lineage. And then they showed me some aspects of my father's side of the family. And so me diving, because that's what I do. <laughs> when I know that there's some things to heal, I dive right in. I dove deeply into womb work for about two years. And I just saw what it did for myself. And because I was working on that within myself, it would come through for clients. And so then I would be sharing stuff with clients, not realizing that I was doing womb work on them at first. I was just getting messages around their birth, around this, around their pregnancy, around the periods. And then, you know, over time, I'm like realizing, oh, my gosh, I'm gathering the same sort of information that I'm pulling from my own womb. And then my guides were like, yeah, because we want you to help others heal their womb space. Because they were showing me that as a collective, the Divine Mother was wanting to awaken in a deeper way. But again, there's so much of us women who have, we've turned away from the womb space. And so, again, it started with me being guided by my ancestry to heal myself. And then that brought me on to a journey of helping other women heal within themselves. So interesting. This morning, I wrote a couple of things down because I was, I was wanting to better understand the womb space and how that came about. And I was given a visual, and I think this was in medieval times, like when Queen Elizabeth, when women ruled like pretty much all of Europe, mm -hmm. and there would be a lot of women's circles, how they would do the goat in the middle of the circle, and the goat represented the fertility. And so when women were having miscarriages, they would go to these circles, and they would put a goat in the middle of the circle. And this is all a visual I was given this morning and how Christianity, and this is actually where the devil, I think, formed. And so mm -hmm. when there were these healing circles and these women would come together and they would practice this healing modality with the goat. And that's why you see the devil with the horns, because mm -hmm. the goat represented fertility. It, I don't know why I was brought to that visualization and I'm not sure why this is coming up in the conversation right now, but it just made me think about fertility in the womb when we're having struggle in that medicine and how that really changed things modernly 
and maybe someone is going through loss or they're having grief or maybe even just like being able to get pregnant. I feel like you are a huge asset for women to help release a lot of that energetic stuff that's going on. And so I think you're very special in this space, Jessica, and I just want to recognize that. It's really about, too, in being just tender with ourselves. There is so much shame around women and what we do and what we can't do, how we look, how we feel. And it's, again, I think it's just in, I've only been doing this professionally for six years and just in the short amount of time to see the amount of women that are, we want to say coming back online and they're in, I'm sure you see it, right? We see so many women who are like, I don't know what's happening. I feel like I'm having these mystical experiences. And when I do, we keep hearing about the rise of the divine feminine. And that is the, the, the direct source of where that flame comes from, is from the womb. And what, that's why I like to teach so much of this work is, yeah, you could come to me, but I am one of those healers that will teach you how to do this on your own because there's so much power in that. There is so much empowerment and being like, oh, I am the medicine. I am the medicine and I just have to give myself a little bit of time and a little bit of space to be able to create some self-love and some self-care and whatever that looks like. It looks different to everybody every day, but it is a layer. I always to look at it as like a rose and then like you're just pulling back little petals at a time. And not everything is heavy. Not all of it's heavy in the womb. There's great relationships in there and there's great sex in there and there's creativity and there's these things that you're putting out into the world. And so not every time that you access that place, it's not always going to feel like you're diving into your trauma. That's the one thing I do want to make very clear. I have plenty of sessions where I'm like, whoa, I can see Mm -hmm. what they're bringing out into the world and I can see where I can see children and there's so much high frequency energy in there. But that's just not to say, let's not look at the stuff. I like to bring balance to the two. I like that. Can can you share any memorable experiences you've had while working with clients? Maybe someone getting pregnant or what was one that really sticks out for you? I have a couple because I don't ever like to tell people that I will predict a pregnancy because mm-hmm. that's a lot of pressure on myself. And of course, for the people that come to see me, but it's happened. And um, sometimes when it comes through, I just say it. I'm not looking for it, it, but if it comes through, I'll share it. And I had a female come to me that was referred to me from another client. And when she came to me, I said, oh, I could see that there was a spirit baby already there. And she hadn't known yet, but I could also see that spirit baby was going to leave very quickly. And I was like, okay, now I have to tell her that this is going to leave. I'm I'm not going to share that with her. I'm like reconciling with my guides. Like I only want to deliver information that is impactful. I don't ever want to make anybody feel worse than when they arrive to see me. And they know that. And so I was surprised that they showed me that and then showed the baby exiting. But then they said, but it's okay. There's another baby that's going to come very quickly. And told me the sex, told me when it was going to come. And so I said, okay, allow me to give the information away that she can receive it that will allow her to feel empowered. And it happened very quickly. They had me share the highest version 
of this other baby that's going to come through by this date and whatever. So I just gave a roundabout time of year. And I, and I, I feel like I don't remember all the details of what I said, but I did say there is a spirit baby, but there's another baby that's coming through at this time. And so she reached out right away and said, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant. And I was like, oh my God, that's incredible. But I knew when she messaged me, that was the spirit baby that was going to leave. But I didn't say anything. I was like, maybe I read the energy wrong and that's great. And I sent blessings for this baby to be healthy. And then she reached out not that long later and said, oh my gosh, I lost the baby. And I said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And listened to her. And, but I knew that another baby was going to come in. And they said, remind her at this time. And I was like, okay. So I did. I said, this baby's going to come in. And sure enough, the baby came in. And then she's had another baby since. And so there's been some really impactful things that have definitely awakened my life where I get to be a part of this, you know, beautiful experience of them bringing babies in. I've also had experiences where the body showed me that they needed to go to the doctor because there was cancer in the body. And that's always scary, right? But I'm glad that it came through. I'm glad that they gave me the message to give the information to go get checked because she got there early enough that it was, it hadn't progressed and they were able to remove this, the I like to say energy, I <laughs> like to move the energy. And then she was on her way to recovery, which is great. And again, I'm never really looking for detrimental things, but if the guides bring it through and I, they say that it's safe to, to share, then I will always ask for the language to give it in a way that can be received that's expansive and helpful. And yeah, so there's, there's been so many, there's been so many things that have happened, but those have been probably the two most, the ones that I can remember off the top of my mind in this moment. That. That's a lot of pressure. I feel that too. Sometimes when I yeah. see certain things, it's okay, how do I word this? How do I present exactly. this information? And it's so mm -hmm. scary because then it's, I, I feel like it puts a lot of weight on our shoulders. It does. That's why I'm like, I don't like looking for it. Some people are like, can you tell me if this is going to happen? And I'm like, I don't do that. If it comes through, if I'm just like working, if I'm just like, okay, I'm just working on them, working on and it just pops in without me looking for it. I'm not asking a question about it. I'm not like, and, it, and I'll, I'll, my clients will laugh because I'll go, wait, what? Like, it's, it's yeah. I'll go, hold on. Something just dropped in. And I'm like, and they'll, they'll actually go, I, I forget that I have somebody sitting in front of me. I go, how do you want me to word that? Because I'm, I'll get it. It'll just drop in. And I'm like, okay, I have to reconcile that for just a second and go, okay, how can I give this in a way of that I can deliver it? But again, I don't want people coming to me being like, can you tell me if I'm, because I'm, that's not what I'm going to be looking for. If it comes through and if it's, they're saying I can share it, then I will share it. But it's definitely something I don't want to be looking for. I don't want to know when people are going to die. I don't want to know yeah. those things. But again, if something comes through with be, being a death doula though, sometimes I think that it will sneak in because they know that I do that work, mm. but not something I'm like searching for. You know what I mean? Yeah, people are very curious. I don't know if you've ever had that happen where someone goes, do you know when I'm going to pass? And they really want to know. And I'm like, oh. that's something. I just tell them that's not something I look for. I've had people come to me wanting to know when their partners are going to die. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've had that too. I've had last week. Like, can you tell me when my husband is going to die? Like, I'm trying to make this move and I don't want to get a divorce from him. So could you tell me when he's going to die? Like, I'm like, oh my gosh. So yeah. Horrible. Yeah. I won't ever tell anybody when they're going to die. No, I don't even want to know when I'm going to die. I've never felt that. I don't either. I don't want to know either. I don't want to know. Yeah. 
it, it's interesting though. When I was pregnant with my first, I had two dreams and the first dream she was going to be born with hearing loss. And I remember waking up and telling my husband, I said, I had this dream. And she told me that she was not going to be able to hear. And he got very angry at me. He's like, why would you say that about our baby? That's not cool. And what if it comes true because you're saying that? And so that's the other thing when doing this work. It's like shooting the messenger type of thing. Like you mm. said this things and then now it happened because you said it. So there's that thing that kind of, I don't know, that kind of messes no, with my head too. It's so true because I always say people take what you say as mm -hmm. gold. Like they yeah. will take even a piece of what you say. And like sometimes I'll go, what did you hear when I just said that? And they'll repeat something that I didn't say because they wanted to take a part of what was come through to make it fit, if that makes sense. And yeah. so that that taught me very early on, holy shit, like people like, they know yeah. what they, they want to hear. <laughs> so it makes you remember like this, the job that we're doing comes with a lot of responsibility, a lot of responsibility. And in the beginning, because you're like, your story is similar to mine. It was just like, I feel like, I fell into medical mediumship. It wasn't something I was looking for. And it's definitely something I didn't call myself. The people that were coming to me called me that. Mm -hmm. And that came with a lot of pressure. And I'd be like, I'm not a doctor. So anytime something comes through and that they want to talk about somebody's, something's going on in their body, I'm like, they want to share something, but Jessica's coming through right now. I'm not a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, so let me just see where this is going. And da 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 because I'm just like, I'm not a doctor. I don't know what this means, but they're showing this in your body. And they're like, oh, no, I have that. I'm like, okay, great. Because I always want to make sure that people know, go to yeah. your doctor. If I'm yeah. seeing something, go to your doctor. Talk to the right people. Like, I'm just like, I'm not your doctor. But yeah. we had, I had a scare with Oak. I was beyond the point of like termination because the doctor said that to me. And they said that my son could possibly have cystic fibrosis. And I was like, what? Because I was older when I was considered geriatric. I was 30, I was 34. Just considered geriatric. Can you, I was like, geriatric? Wait, I was so young. <laughs> but because I was like 34, 35. But I'm like, what? But because I was considered geriatric, they did like these extensive testing on him. And they said he had a very highly, high likely chance that he had cystic fibrosis and at that time she said and i'm because i'm your doctor i have to give you my suggestion if he is a carrier she goes i will suggest that you have you terminate the pregnancy and i'm like what and so we had to do the same thing we had to do the testing and it was weird because i i guess my dad's side of the family has the gene but there was someone in paul's family also had the gene but it didn't match so if it would have been, a like you said, it would have been like the one and whatever chances mm -hmm. of it matching, then it, he would have had it. But because he, my, my husband has some variation and then I, my family has some variation. When my kids have kids, they have to let their doctors and partners know just in case. But we, I would, we would have never known that if we didn't do the genetic testing. Yeah. She said that because I was geriatric, they did overabundant exams and blood tests and all these things just to make sure he was healthy. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so wild. Yeah, it's freaking scary, man, sometimes having a kid. It's just yeah. so scary. With my daughter, they were diagnosing her at birth with profound hearing loss. They mm -hmm. thought maybe she could have been completely deaf, like no hearing at all. 
And so at three months, we put her in hearing aids, but they were trying to convince me to do cochlear implant because they're because like, mm-hmm. it was the deafness gene that she is more on profound side. And we don't know mm-hmm. how good the hearing aids will work with her. Oh, yes. Yeah, so because so, it would progress into eventual like total hearing loss. Is that what they were so saying? When she- that can still happen at any oh, point okay. in, her, in her life. Mm-hmm. If it can get worse, it does not get better. I started and this was in 2015, I started, you know how you were doing the energy work Mm -hmm. on me? I started Mm -hmm. intuitively doing that on my daughter. And this is before mediumship. This is before I knew what I was actually doing. And I would sit Mm -hmm. with my little baby and I would start doing this Mm -hmm. with the hearing loss. I would start visualizing the hair follicles in our ear regrowing and I would go on this whole journey of Chills. being in my baby and just regrowing and more than just prayer. It was literally I was going on a journey of healing for my child. So she kept on getting the profound. I kept doing the healing. And then it was about three years ago. And so maybe this is when she was like five years old. We had gone to a doctor and we redid the hearing test and everything. And he said, her hearing went from being profound to mild to moderate and that her hearing actually looks better. That's incredible. Awesome. And, incredible. Love and, that. Yeah. And then during this, this was a new doctor that we had seen. And this was after, right after I had my second daughter. So this was, I want to say in 2020, that he told me this. And during so 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 let me rewind go a little bit back so when we decided we wanted to have another baby I already knew we could have a 25 percent chance of having another child who had hearing loss or deafness so I said I'm going to take my stem cells from that birth and I'm going to bank them just in case because I knew with CRISPR and gene therapy that they're coming out with nowadays they can correct the hearing loss or the deafness and just for other genetic things too if anything ever happens in their lifetime they could use those stem cells versus going into the hospital and having the whole surgery to get it out of your bone and then I thought maybe I could use my the younger baby to for the older sister Mm -hmm. she could take her stem cells and use it as for her corrective therapy but during that pregnancy I felt that my baby was going to be fine. I had no worry during that whole time I was pregnant. I did not think, oh, is she going to be deaf? Is she going to have hearing loss? I was like, no, she's going to be healthy. I like did not even think once that I was going to have, she was going to have any issues with her hearing. So she was born perfectly normal, no hearing loss, no issues with her hearing. And so when we go to this appointment in 2020 for my oldest about her hearing loss, the doctor says, there's stem cell therapy that your daughter will probably be an excellent candidate for in a few years, actually. They're really progressing with this thing called CRISPR. And I was like, yes, I know this. I know this. And so, and he was like, the only thing, it's hard to get the stem cells. And I'm like, guess what? I have my youngest ones banked for this purpose. And he was like, who are you? What do you do? Like, <laughs> And I love that because obviously you're getting that awareness from somewhere, something. I don't know if it was her higher self or your guides, God, or 
for like, this is going to be the journey, but you're going to be well prepared. Just so incredible. He was like, this never happens. I've never (laughs) heard of hearing loss with her genetic condition getting better made me leave there with so much hope and excitement for my daughter because she gets really self-conscious about it. People always say to me, your daughter is a leader. She has so much confidence about her. I never made her feel having hearing loss and wearing hearing aids that she was different. Sometimes she'd be like, Mm -hmm. I'm the only kid that has hearing aids. And that feels a little bit weird because kids always ask me what's in my ears. But I've never once said that she was different because of that or made her feel that she wasn't able to do something that other kids could do. I pushed her probably a lot more because of that. And so she just has a lot of confidence and she'll just tell people like, this is hearing loss and she'll give them the whole. Great though. Yeah. Just to be, like you said, like being honest with her and then allows her to be honest and then not feel weird about it. Yeah, I have so many and so many clients that have told me that they had messages from their children before they've gotten here. I feel like spirit's very clever. Like they'll bring me because I'm like, are all the moms experiencing this experience? Or I'm like, or am I just like being like, am I drawing those type of clients in? But it's fun to see how the parents are so open. And like when I, when they are, are like, I just, I think when I was a kid, it was just like, you're sensitive, shh, like that sort of <laughs> scenario. Um, where when I talk to the parents, I'm like, oh, your your child expresses this and sees color or, or feels very deeply or blah, blah, blah. They're like, yes. And they nurture it versus shut it down. They're like, they're doing things, they're creating, they're, they're doing meditations with them and they're talking to them about their energy. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so great to see parents evolve with the world that we're in if that makes sense. And I don't know, I don't know if that's how it's with your clients, but it's how I'm seeing it, in, at least in my realm. So many of these parents are so curious and they just want to do whatever they can to help their kids feel. I do a lot of sessions on children, actually. Mm-hmm. A lot of, so, like, yeah. I have two sessions this week that are on kids. That's so great. I've worked on kids who are nonverbal that can't say what's wrong with them or what they're feeling. Those are actually my favorite sessions because that's where I can help who's maybe dealing with a lot of pain in a certain area or we can get it figured out, get it moving, get it diagnosed. And then there's some not so good stuff. Mm. But do you do a lot of sessions on children? I do because I work when I work with a client. I Because I'm working with the ancestral lineage, the children come in a lot the spouses, the parents, the grandparents. And then once I work with the client, they're like, you just work on my kids. And so sometimes I have the kids come on the session and I'll just work with them for a few minutes and then leave the room. Or yeah, I have a handful of clients that I've been working with them, their mom and the children consistently for a year. And it's fun. They're willing to come in energetically and play. And I always say the kids give, the the kids psychically and like telepathically will give me all the tea. Yeah. Yeah. We give all the tea. They're like, oh, That's, mom, this. Yeah. So funny. And they're, they're like, oh my gosh. I'm like, but the, they're coming from a loving place. They're saying, oh, can you help? Can you help my mom release this? Because she was feeling XYZ or whatever. And so it's always fun to work with the kids. I love their energy. I love that. That's so true. And it leads me to want to ask you about do you do womb healing on children? Mm-hmm. You do? Yeah, I do on men. I do it on kids. Oh, yeah. We all come from the womb. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So a lot of times, like what will happen is, it, let's say if I'm working on a child, they'll show me some, maybe it's some anxiety or some stress or some fear. And then I'll say, okay, so I'll ask their higher self and their body to take me to its root cause. And oftentimes it's in utero. It's in utero. It's just like information that got picked. Maybe the mom was stressed out or sick all the time or just things that were going on in mother's environment that is informing some of their anxiety. And so then I'll do a womb healing and a birth trauma healing and a DNA healing on the child from present moment and clear up some energy from the past, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And yeah. I feel like more of us should be doing that for our children. No, I'm, I'm telling you, this is what I, this is what I love. I, w- I always tell my clients, like when I'm working on you, they're getting the healing that mm-hmm. your future generations in the past, they're all getting the healing and that's what's incredible. So I'm like, so even if your husband doesn't want to have a session on his own because he's a part of you, he will feel it to some degree and hopefully it inspires him to want to go and do his own healing. I'm, so I always tell people like, don't worry so much about the people in your surroundings and like they have them having, they need to awaken, they need to do all these things. Like they'll feel it in your energy and that will hopefully inspire them to want to go on their own journey of healing. But but I do feel like anytime we're doing work on ourselves, our children are, they're feeling it, they're getting it, you know. Have you encountered any skepticism or challenges along doing this work? I walked into my readings, terrified of being judged, terrified of being called a fraud. Like I was so afraid of that. And I think that's why I was so intensely, like I was in full-time studies. You would think I was a college student, the way that I was studying, going to circles and classes and all these things. It was a full-time job for me to understand my work. I'm trying to think of like my early days. I don't experience it now, but I'm trying to think of like my early, when I was doing early reading. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I think when I was, I think when you like charge, when I was charging really little, mm-hmm. you definitely draw on people who are like curious and they're oh. to see, right? Yeah. And they would quickly be like, oh, okay, she, she's got something here. Um, and then once I like raised my prices and I set my intentions for the people that I wanted to work with, I was like, I don't want to prove myself anymore. I want to help people grow and help people connect and tap into their own intuition and expand. I worked the energy around that. Then I didn't draw that type of client in. But every now and again, I'll get somebody who wants their husband to have a session. Oh. And I'm like, oh, God, here we go. I got to prove myself. <laughs> but I've been really fortunate. I've had the, I, I'll, I'll walk in with that energy. Like, okay, I know today I'm gonna have to prove myself because this is their spouse and they probably don't know what I do. And but I've been really fortunate that the, the women that I work with and their spouses, they're actually really open. And so they'll come on and say, oh my God, no, I'm actually open. I'm like, okay, great. And I can just relax a little bit. But I haven't really had, oh, I have a funny story. I actually have a funny story. I think I may have shared this on, on the Align podcast one time, but so early in my development, I don't even think I was doing like paid book readings yet. I think I was just doing them for free just to practice. I had a, a woman come to me and she wanted to ask about her quote unquote relationship, her partner. And as soon as I got on the phone with her and she goes, oh, I just want to know about my partner and what are like if we're going to be together. And before she could even finish the sentence, I heard very clearly, she's the mistress. And I was like, huh? and I was like, what? 
And I was like, okay. I said, let me just tune into you and make sure that I have your energy correctly. And I was like, okay. And what do you want to know about your relationship? But she didn't want to know so much about her in the relationship. She wanted to know about this person. Mm-hmm. And the more she kept not wanting to know about herself, because my guides will always direct it to the person. She was essentially wanting to come to me to read this person side sideways. And I was like, I don't do that. I don't, I'm not going to tune into somebody. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be your spy. That's, I'm, that's yeah. not ethical. I can tell you about you and the relationship, what your lessons and learnings are. You're going to take that information and go. But she was like, oh, no, I just really need to. And the guides kept saying she's the mistress. And it wasn't, I'm sorry, it wasn't my guides. It was a loved one in spirit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, give me some information that I can give her in a way that she will understand. I'm not just going to be like, you're the mistress. And so I started describing their relationship. I described who, what his characteristics were in the relationship towards her, like what he wasn't providing for her. I was giving her information on the times that she knew that he wasn't fully invested in her. Like they gave me like very detailed like moments. And then I said, but you would understand that he's married. And she literally was like, they showed you that? And I was like, yes. Oh, like, but if you want to know why you're choosing these type of situations, because this wasn't the first relationship, they'll bring through some insight as to why you're not calling in that you're the most divine partner and why you're repeating a cycle of choosing relationships that don't choose you back. And then she was like, yes. So they brought it back to her. Okay, these are the experiences of why you're choosing this type of relationship. And this is what you can do to heal so that you can call your most divine partner, not have to settle for this type of relationship. But it was so awkward because I was like, oh my gosh, this is so awkward. And then even after all that information, she was like, but I just need you to read the wife for me. I go, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Not the reader for you. You have to go somewhere else. And I closed that call and I was like, okay, that was so awkward. I saw so many details of like their relationship, how long and like how long she was the mistress, like how she was like stalking him. And I was just like, oh my God, this is crazy. (laughs) Like, Like I gotta get off this call with her. And that was weird because she was going in with a different intention, being sneaky, let's be honest, and then got called out for being the mistress, basically. And she was like, they showed you that I'm like, and I'm like, yes, because I couldn't dance around it anymore because she was just, the she was asking questions. And I was like, she, she was wanting to know if he was going to leave her. If she even had, the wife had any idea that he was. Well, and here's the thing. He told her he was never going to leave her. And so she was hoping that I would give her information, probably to give the wife, like, honestly, because it was so sneaky, this stuff that she's asking, that I was like, no, I'm not getting pulled into this. That's the last thing I needed is, like, somebody in town being like, hey, so Jessica told me. I'm like, I'm going to redirect this. Was, Was this before you raised your prices? Yes, this was like the, I don't even think, I don't even think that this was like a full professional reading yet. I feel like this is the beginning where I was like doing them for free because I was practicing. I would, I used to tell people I'm practicing because then I felt no pressure to just show up and do it. Mm -hmm. But when I first started doing readings, I think I charged $60 or something, maybe even less than that. I can't really remember. And so a lot of people would come to me and it was like, 
so energetically draining because it was more of tell me what to do energy. And I was like, I don't want to be the relationship psychic where everyone's boyfriends are cheating on them and they're saying, what do I do? I didn't want to be that because that's what was happening. I was like, because one friend would tell another friend would tell another friend. She saw that he did this. She said, and I'm like, oh my God. And so I was like, I need yeah. to readjust. This is, I'm not going to be like the relationship psychic. That's not my jam. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I think there is a level of, I want to say seriousness or devotion to self when you are investing in yourself, right? I feel like if someone's going to come to me, they are already saying yes, because they're willing to pay that fee mm-hmm. to be in the experience and choosing their own healing. Versus like when we're doing things for free or if we want to say an energy exchange, I feel like sometimes people don't take it as seriously because they're not really investing in themselves. They're just like, oh, we're just going to see if this is a gimmick. Let's just see if, what if this person can really do this? If they, or there's like a wackadoodle and you're bringing through information and they're like, I'm not going to do that. Why are you here? Yeah. I'm a healer. <laughs> yeah. And so but, I feel like a huge energy shift in even doing that where I was like, okay, I see where it's time for me to shift out of doing free or... I never did donation-based. It was more of like free or barely charged anything. But once I like switched that energy, then I definitely called in a completely different style of client. 100%. But it's definitely an energy drainer because you're putting in that much work to bring Mm -hmm. all these messages and to help this person heal. And then they're just like, oh, I'm not actually interested in doing any of that. Yeah. I don't want to do any of that. I just want you to tell me what to do. Yeah. Or fix it for me. Or or fix it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Perform a miracle. I think Literally. Can you walk on water for me, please? Oh, for- I know no. that is that is like the big misconception, I think, too, with the healing arts is that people think that we're just like these magicians. And I think there's this like the synergistic thing that happens, right? Like it's there's like an opening. If we can get that light into that opening, but ultimately I feel like it's their job to nurture the seed, right? To water the seed and to want to do the thing to continue to heal and to grow. I've had some people be like, oh my God, after our session, I, this happened. And I was like, oh wow, that's wild. That's awesome. But they, they always say it's me. And I'm like, no, that was the version of yourself that was ready to heal. I just held space for that. Like I was just holding the frequency for you to want to change and for you to want to step forward into a different frequency or whatever. But some stuff like fascinates me. I'm like, wow, why did that? What? Like I had a client reach out and I might've told you this, so please forgive me, I'm repeating myself. But she was like, because of you, like after our session, I never picked up vaping again. And I, I don't even remember that being a conversation in our session because I forget. Like, I forget a lot of what comes through and the things that I do remember. It's usually because there's a part of me that's healing that same aspect. Mm-hmm. And so I, and I was like, oh, that's so cool because that wasn't the intention of our session. There was other things that were going on. And I was like, but she seems she will say, no, because of you. I said, I'm like, no, I think it's, it's you. Like, you yeah. obviously want what. But I was like, oh, that's cool. I thank you for sharing that with me. I love that. But I'm like, I'm not like a wizard. <laughs> I have some pretty incredible guide. But I think that. And so when I'm in a session or when I'm starting a session, especially with a new client, because even after all these years with a new client, I still go, fuck, I hope this works today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hope it works. I was like, okay, but don't fail me now. And, and I, but when I feel that sort of my Jessica mind wanting to, be attached to their outcome, I have to visualize myself stepping back out of my body and just telling spirit to just take the wheel. Because in the beginning, I that that's all I cared about. And I would be so exhausted by the end of a session because I just wanted to give them everything. So 
that they know that I'm not a fraud. And they know it was like this very proving energy on my end because I just didn't want people from my old world, my old life to be like, what is she doing? Okay, hold on. So I'm like, if they find out, at least hopefully they will find out that what I'm doing is they're getting validation from it. And then I like did a lot of healing work and have moved now where now it's I don't so much. I don't want to say I don't care about the outcome. I I care. I want people to feel loved and supported and expansive and inspired. And I want them to feel like nurtured. And that's just my nature. But I have to like, I have to let go of the outcome of what the reading is going to be because that just conserves my energy. But it's so true. The work that we do, and I don't know, like my sessions are 75 minute long sessions. A lot happens in 75 minutes. We go through your entire photo album of your family members usually by then. Oh, (laughs) so much can happen in one session, right? And that's even something that I have to check in with myself, right? This season, when I had to turn down my calendar, my guides told me to shorten my sessions. And I'm like, I don't know if I can get everything done in 45 minutes. And they're like, it's not you, it's us. And I'm like, oh, yeah. (laughs) So again, I'm like, that's my human reconciling because I love to overgive. I want when I'm like, oh my gosh. And it's true. It's such fulfilling work, but it can be very draining if we're not mindful of our of our own energy and wanting. To- I think there's this thing where people expect us to perform at that level too, because mm-hmm. they, maybe they've seen us work or it's something we share on our social mm-hmm. media and then they think every reading is that way. And so that that puts a lot of pressure on me, too, because there are times where I'm doing mediumship and I'm fully with a spirit. I can give you very detailed information about who is with me in this moment, but then nobody understands it. Nobody's taking that spirit. And I'm like sitting here. They're definitely here and I don't know who they belong to. And so how do I move through that and say, sorry, get out of here and somebody else step forward? And so that that kind of and it's not so much the ego like I I thought at first is this my ego getting to me and I felt sad for the spirit in some ways because I I felt they were trying to get to someone and maybe they did connect with someone there they just weren't identifying this person with that information Mm -hmm. that I was giving them but it's hard for me to be like, okay, get out of here. Someone else to board. You know? I know. I'm the, I'm the same way. I, it, it is hard for me because I always think of like the intelligence of spirit knows. They they organize so much in order to make that connection. And us as healers, we know that they're coming through because they want to bring forward some form of healing for the person who is here in the living, right? And then, or if, if you've ever had somebody in a session go, I did, I don't want to talk to them. And you're like, okay. And so I'm like, okay, I know she does. They're saying they don't want to talk to them, but spirit's not wanting to leave. And then I can hear why they're wanting to come through. And this is why it's, and I'm hearing the story from the spirit world of this is what's inhibiting this person from moving through something in their life. If they can just move through this and it's like, they don't want to talk to you. You're like, ah. And so I'll usually say the spirit, okay, maybe allow someone else to come through to help yeah. deliver the message so that it could be received because this they're just closed off. They don't want to hear it in this moment. And that's really hard. That's hard because the impact that it's going to make if you if that seed gets planted, but if somebody's closed off, it's, oh, 
Okay. <laughs> it, it reminds me of, they say about divine timing, right? So if that mm-hmm. person isn't ready to receive that message yet, spirit is coming through and they're saying maybe they need it to have that experience with the rejection to be able to think about encountering yeah. that experience to maybe think about in the future, maybe reflect on what needs to get healed between that mm-hmm. whole dynamic in that situation. So I'm always like, okay, it's divine timing, but also there's a lesson in the rejection that's taking place in this very moment. That's true. That's actually true too. Oh my gosh. It's it's so wild. It is really wild when you think about, sometimes I'm like, I just want to be like up there and just seeing the the type of organization that happens. Like I just imagine like looking down and I'm just putting like all the actors in place to make that one connection, to make that one thing happen. And I'm like, oh, it's just I visualize what that would could look like from that perspective. And I'm like, I wonder if it's like that. Just just organize. Like even us meeting for our conversation. Like boom, like I could see how our conversation a couple weeks ago, how I was meant to have that conversation with you and how that impacted my life. And what it opened up for me and my personal experience. And I didn't know your father. And I, did, I, like, I didn't know your experience as a child. But those shared experiences impacted me and opened up my heart in, in such beautiful ways. And so it's like that power of just like this, the world's colliding and setting off that chain reaction of healing. It's incredible. It's such a great feeling. There's a lot to reflect on. Honestly, I'm still digesting a lot of all yeah. just what happened afterwards. So that evening, so we had our conversation, I think it was like Monday morning. And then when I was in the shower that evening, your dad showed me his tattoo on his arm. And then we were going to edit. You were like going to show me how to use a different editing platform. And so I went and got my laptop. And when I sat down in my bed, my light started flickering, which was funny because you were saying he likes to play with the electricity. And so I just like briefly just shared those two things. And then as the days unfolded, just you were having synchronicities and I was having synchronicities. And he just kept coming through with these little winks and the, the double sevens and just all this. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. It's all coming back to me now. I forgot about that. He was showing me. Do you know Filipino squad? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I do. For those of you that don't know, for those of you who are listening and don't know, just Google it. He was showing me that, like squatting with that this pipe and just. And I I resonate with that because I have guides that work with me with sacred smoke to clear my field. So there's just like all these beautiful little things, but my takeaway from that is because we share a similar culture, was I got to experience some of that culture and indigenous arts or way of healing through his visions that he shared with you, I got to have that awaken within me and connect with my ancestry in a different way. So it's such a beautiful gift. I think you said your hats uh, came up. Oh, yeah. I I forgot about that too. Yeah, I have, which was even another funny thing. So I have these two hats that I bought in Peru. They're very special to me. They're handmade. And they, I, I hang my hats on a wall. And I was in my room and I hear, and I was like, that was weird. What was that? I didn't get up at first. And then a couple of seconds later, I was like, thump, thump. and I go in the, I come out of my room and I was like, what was that? And I look and the two hats are just laying on the floor. And I was like, oh, okay. And at first they didn't think anything of it. I just put them up. And then I think that's when I was in the shower and the messages were coming through. I was like, oh, I was starting to put all the things together. But what I was getting from the message around the hats, it was because we had been talking about indigenous healing and all of these things and 
that was a huge activation for me was being in Peru, very heart opening. And that, that trip, actually, now that we're saying this, it's coming full circle. Thank you. That trip, that day, that last day on the mountain, I like made a vow to bring in and embrace as much earth medicine to connect me to the ancient healing modalities. And wherever I'm meant to go, I will go. And that's when I got the thing with Danielle. And then I go to Manchester and like all these things. And so I'm just off to the side. I'm like wrapping up in a pretty little bow. But yeah, very fun. He's very fun. He's a fun spirit. <laughs> he is. And it's so funny because the Filipino squat, when I was a kid, he would do that. And then you start asking me about a necklace. Yes. Okay, so he put it in my hand. And I was, I couldn't see it clear, like clear. And so I was like, okay, let me just psychically touch it. And so I was touching it and it was like, it reminded me of like, like ropey string. And it was, I could tell it was dark in nature. I was like, oh, it feels, it looks like it's like dark brown or maybe even black. And then I was like psychically touching the set, the centerpiece. And it felt, I wouldn't have said bone, but it felt, it reminded me of a shell, like that smoothness of a shell. Mm -hmm. And I could feel like the texture in it. And I, and he kept, he put it in my hand and he told, he's like, just give it to her. And I was like, oh, okay. And then that's when I said, do you have this necklace that's about well or something and it's on a string? I'm like, cause he's saying to give it to you. Well, I can, yeah, it was, yeah, it was so interesting. But I could, I remember I could feel the string with clarity, but the centerpiece, it was, I was like trying to touch it psychically, mm -hmm. which is actually really funny because before we started recording this, I was telling Ilani that I just met with another indigenous healer and he told me that's my biggest clare is bringing things through psychically and touching it with my hands like psychometry. And as I'm like, as I'm like trying to like tune into the necklace that your dad gave me before, I just got that download again. But yeah, I remember just like feeling it. And then you showed me all the cool pieces that your dad had given you with the bones and yeah, so, so I have, he hunted and he was very much into the medicine of nature and yeah. the indigenous teachings of his tribe. And so he would send me bone pieces of different animal. And one of them was a tooth of a bear uh -huh. on a string just like that. Yeah. But I was trying to find it. And I couldn't find it. And then I started getting really sad because... I was like, I was so embarrassed of all this indigenous stuff that I was like, I got to go put it in a box and put it somewhere. And it's like yeah. one of a few things that I actually kept that he gave me as a gift. Like it was like a birthday gift. Like here's a bear's tooth on a string yeah. for your birthday type of thing. I'm like, yeah, this is weird. I'm like a teenager. I'm right? like, what am I going to do with a bear? Tooth? He's little all make sense later, honey, I swear. <laughs> But as I was going through my jewelry box, I found four pieces of bone. And I think it was like some type of, I, I don't even know what it was, but it got me thinking about the four points of the earth. Oh, yeah, and the you four were, directions. The yeah. four directions. But you were also saying that he wanted me to work with the four directions. And I was mm -hmm. feeling that before you even said that. Yeah. And then I found the four pieces and I'm like, how odd that there's four pieces for each direction. And then I started thinking about like how I had done an energy thing in the past with three other people and how the internet just completely stopped while we were doing our healing session when we connected with the four directions. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, you're, I'm just getting so many little, sorry, I'm like giggling because he's showing me different pictures right now. And I have a card in my deck that has, it's a, it's a shamanic 
ancestors deck and there's a card. I'm going to look when we're done, but he's showing me that it looks like bones on the, on the wheel. I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to see later because there's I think like 50 cards in there. But yeah, just that connection though, too, when you think of when we're healing our ancestry story or when we're getting to allow them to have a voice, we're like essentially like gathering up all their beautiful wisdom that they've had uh, on this earth. And we get to use that medicine for ourselves and for our children and for our friends and for our family. And so I'm not surprised that he aligned our conversation by any means, because obviously this is what I've been diving into for the last couple of years. And it's like something that has been so healing for myself. And so some of those messages like that he was bringing through, I was like, oh my God, of course. And I, I actually wanted to send you a link to a book because I was like, oh, I think I talked, I think I told you about it. It's just like the ancient healing modalities of the Philippines and just like the different types of healers and the, the different types of works that they did. But there's bone shamanism in the Philippines. And I don't know about Alaskan as it relates to that, but I'm pretty sure that there was bone because it's pretty common yeah. practice with shamanism is bone shamanism. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I didn't even think about that piece, but I just knew he was wanting me to work with him. And then he started coming yeah. to my dreams and he started getting me. It was weird because he was playing the drum at first. I was like, and then he came in with his friend and they're giving me this whole music thing that was going on in my dream. But a few days afterwards, it had to been some time through the week last week, I think it was. He came in and he was making me feel because I was I've been really struggling with the migraines. I wake up with the mm -hmm. headaches. He was talking about how I need to sever the spirits, how I need to cut it off. Like you, you mm -hmm. hear about cord cutting. And yeah. so he was like, you need to sever the connection. You're not shutting down properly. And I seen him going like this with something like it looked like a wand or something like that. So this past week, we go up to the farmer's market and I go up there just about every weekend. I get fish plates and I get kombucha, mm -hmm. but my husband wanted to come along this time. And so we go and we visit one of his friends. And this is somebody he's known for 30 years. And he is a Hawaiian carver. He's been he's one of I feel like for his generation, he might be one of the last like older carvers when it comes to Hawaiian culture. And so. My husband has a few pieces from him that he always wears. And I'm not too like the bone, the shells. I'm more feminine. I'm not very attracted to like that masculine kind of art, those pieces of mm -hmm. carvings. But I was looking at everything he had on his table. And then this piece that I was wearing today really stuck out on me because I started thinking that it looked very similar to the piece that my dad was showing me in my dream. Like, I asked this carver, I asked him, I said, what is this? What is this thing? And he was like, and then he looks at me funny. He has a grin. Like he's looking at me. He's like, out of all the stuff on the table, you want to know what that is? Because he's got like, <laughs> He's got all this like pretty shells and all all this stuff. And then he's he he starts to tell me that there's only one of three of these and that it came to him in a dream that he had to make three of these. And it's, this is a very sacred wood. I think there's only about 20 of these plants left in the world and they're only native to Hawaii. Wow. And this is one of the strongest woods. So he's, he starts telling me the story about this wood. And 
how it grows out of lava and how uh, someone came to him years ago to give him a few pieces. And when he had a dream that the pieces will be broken up between three healers and one of the healers would be a wahine. And that's how he knew he was going to give this piece to the person who would ask about it. Oh my gosh, I have so many chills. That's incredible. And so he put this around my neck and he started telling me the other person that has the other one of these is a Hawaiian healer. He lives on the big island and that he does Lomi and that this is his main tool that he uses within his healing sessions. Wow. Wow. That's really cool. I'm excited to work with that. I think it's incredible because I do think that healers, we have talismans and we have things that we physically put into our toolkit and then we energetically put into our toolkit. And uh, and again, it's funny because remember when we first got on, I was like, what's that necklace you're wearing? We both showed up with our traditional Uh and I wore this with my call with chemo before we got on today. And I was like, oh, I don't know why I feel like I need to put it on. And so this is a talisman that healers wear when we're doing psychic, psychic surgery and I had somebody bless it for me. But I don't usually wear it. I usually just keep it on my altar right next to me. But I felt called to wear it. So how funny that we both showed up with our like necklaces on. I'm like, I'm like what are you doing? So this tool he was explaining to me is mainly for evil spirits or for spirits that have not crossed over fully. That's what this is for. Wow. It is to protect from evil spirits when I'm doing womb work. Yeah. So he said, I if I say that, I didn't want to say that on the yeah. line because I was like, well, here you go. But that's exactly what this is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Oh, my God. That is wild. So this also came to me in a dream, the symbol. Wow. And I was like, OK, I, I OK, I know it's and they showed me that I needed to work with it. And then I was like, how am I going to find that? And then I was drawn to my book, my library, and there's this book. And I'm going to send it to you because it's now dropping into our conversation twice in this hour and a half or so that we've been talking. And I grabbed the book and it was on the cover of his book. And so I reached out to him and I've worked with him before. And I was like, what is this? Because I keep seeing it in my dream. He goes, you need to get one. It's calling you. Spirits of protection from our land. And he gave me some of the details. And then I said, okay, spirit, I'm meant to have one. Help me find it. And then I go on to Instagram, just scrolling like you do, doom scrolling. And then all of a sudden I see this Filipino artist, this beautiful woman, and she's making these talismans. And I reach out to her and I'm like, where do you get those from? She goes, I get them from the shamans in in the Northern Philippines. They make them. They're like 80 years old, these 80 year old men. And I was like, I need some. So I, I ordered three. Because I was like, I have to have them. So I, yeah, so I keep them on my altar. And when I'm doing, when I'm doing womb healings, if I feel called to put them on, I put them on. I don't put it on all the time, but most of the time I'll be like, I'll hear, put on your talisman. It's a protection. It puts like a barrier of protection around me, supposedly, is what they said. How wild. Yeah. He said the other healer that has the other one of these, he says he does not do healing without wearing it. So... I just find it interesting because our last conversation, too, I was having with you about doing the healing work and being a little bit afraid of taking on those kind of energies as my own and really like, how can I protect myself? How can I make sure that Mm -hmm. I don't I'm not doing it wrong or doing it in a way where I'm taking on that myself? 
Mm-hmm. And it, it was strange because my dad showed me that there would be a tool. And then it was like I was looking at this piece and it was like all just coming to me. This is familiar. I've seen this before. Yeah. And then that whole experience with the Hawaiian carver being like, I had a dream and I was <laughs> supposed to give it to this person. Oh, that's incredible. This is this sort of talking about the magic of the world of spirit. It's just like you can't make it up. There's just so many synchronicities and they just keep unfolding. I feel like since our conversation, so many things have been happening. I know. Like even when I'm like, oh, chemo. I'm like, oh, he's from Hawaii. I'm like, oh, he's Aboriginal Hawaiian. I'm like, what the heck's happening right now? But I want to connect. I'm going to do that. I'm going to send you the link to that book. And then also I'm going to send you the link to chemo who I spoke with today because it's just, again, you can't make it. it up because... I forgot that I had that session and we scheduled this. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh my God, I do have that session. I got a reminder and I just didn't have it on my calendar correctly. And I was like, how funny is it that I'm meeting with him? He's an indigenous <laughs> healer who teaches other healers how to deepen. And then we got on this call to have this conversation. It's just it's so funny. You can't make it up. It feels like alignment to me whenever I'm having these conversations like this, it's, there's so much healing, but also I feel like these conversations are inspiring and they're just allowing other people to be like, hey, that that stuff happens to me too. Or yeah, that's exactly. very fun. It's just like, how can we all feel connected? And we all have the ability to tap into this magic that we all possess. But I have mm-hmm. one more, I have one question and then we can wrap up. What's okay. one thing you hope to accomplish in the next year? Ooh, what's one thing? I had a couple things I was thinking about when I was on the leak yesterday. The one thing that came through, it's because I've been on such a huge journey of pushing my business or pushing my education or pushing. It's just, it's always felt like this sort of, even though there's a lot of flow and synchronicity there was a lot of this drive to push, to hurry, like hurry. And so when I was on the lake yesterday, it was like so peaceful and so quiet. And I realized that sometimes I get uncomfortable in the quiet. It's almost, what do I do with all this quiet and this noise that's in my head? So I was like, when I walk into this next year, I usually have a goal for my business. And I'm like, oh no, I want to enter the year with like peace. And stillness, because so many of us are pushing for the new year with resolutions and all of these things. And I reframe how I start my next year. I don't know what the end of my year is going to look like. I usually try to plan it all out. But I'm like, nope, mm -mm. I'm I'm going to try to lean back a little bit more and be more into a state of flow and more of this like peace with what's happening in that moment. I don't want to continue this like pushing this efforting energy that feels like I've been pushing this boulder to learn more, to grow more, to this more, where I'm like, oh no, I feel like my next year needs to be a bit more internal, like more peaceful, more meditation, more just quiet moments with myself. I feel the same too. Like that's exactly how last year's December was for me. I kept pulling the Mm -hmm. sacred masculine card. I was like, What's going to happen in the first three months? And it was like secret masculine. Secret. That card mm-hmm. pulled out every single day for, I want to say, for all of December when I was trying to figure out what I needed to work on in the beginning mm-hmm. of 2023. I was like, okay, I need to work on this masculine energy of mine. And really, that's like the dude. And yeah, the do. Yeah. 
there's so much of the do. And yeah, I'm just like, yeah, I move through things very quickly. I move on very quickly and I'm eager to learn the next thing very quickly. That's my nature. And so I almost want to be in like this slow rewind, if that makes sense. Like not pushing so fast, not pushing so far, just be, just being okay in like the present moment. And, and so, yeah, that, that quiet, it was so interesting when we were on the lake because everyone's like, there's no bird, there's no, it was almost like we were in a simulation. Is this really nature? Everyone kept saying, because Mount Shasta is such a weird place. Like it's beautiful, but it has interesting energy. And I'm like, it's so true. But I'm like, why are we uncomfortable? There isn't a bird flying by. Like, why do I need my something to trigger my excitement? Like, why can't I just be here in this that, stillness and not that, feel that, hushed? It feels like the void. I think that's I exactly think maybe, maybe you said I love that. It. I love that you just yeah. said that the void because I was saying, yeah, earlier I was like going to make a post about the void because it's this is it. I'm in. I'm definitely in that energy for sure. We have Haleakala over here on Maui, and when you go up there, you're above the clouds. And so mm -hmm. some, sometimes there's a lot of wind and sometimes there's no wind and it's completely still. You'll hear no birds, no cars, no, no sound. It's like a piercing deafness almost. Mm -hmm. when you can only hear your heartbeat and like your breath coming out of you. You think, huh, I wonder if this is what it sounds like when you're in space because it's so yeah. quiet. It's so piercing. And there is a void with that and it allows you to just go completely no thoughts, have a pause of nothingness. And what that mm -hmm. feels like is the void. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because... We, when we're working so much, all we want is like a peaceful vacation, right? We just want some peace. And when I was like noticing that yesterday, I was like, I have a lot of peace around me, but why am I feeling uncomfortable in this peace? And so that's, yeah, that's definitely something I want to sit with. I want to move through. Obviously, I'm going to be doing a lot of shadow work this winter, <laughs> as I do. And, and yeah, but no, it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful trip. I learned a lot about myself and I was very like, I was in a group, but I was observing a lot and I was observing myself in that. And I was learning a lot about myself in that experience of, I don't know, it's very interesting. I'm still processing it. So I'll probably have to make a podcast about it. Do you have any <laughs> upcoming I was projects? Like, I, I normally launch my mentorship in January. Like I'm usually like, okay, let's go. We're rolling in January. And I haven't even announced it yet because I'm like, I don't know if I want to start mentorships in January. I think I want to wait till February. And so I am like going to take this time off for the holidays to just sit with what my schedule looks like outside of what society tells me we should be doing for New Year's and New Year's resolutions mm -hmm. um, because I want to break some rules a little bit. And so we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I, I'm going to be opening up my calendar eventually in January for one-to-one -one sessions. I'm trying to figure out what that looks like. Um, but I will have mentorships probably in February, I'm guessing. I'm just going to put that out into the ethers because that's what feels good in this moment. And so if anybody's interested in doing either in-person group sessions or online group sessions, I'm sorry, mentorships and one-to-one -one mentorships, all the information is on my website. It's jessicamiles.com. And then, of course, you can reach me on Instagram at people call me Jess. And so we'll see. We're still in that. We're in the void trying to figure yeah. out what I want to launch next. It's good. It's good. Because it does. It actually, it feels good. 
it does. Uh, it feels good. It feels like right before the seed gets implanted, to be quite honest. Yeah. It's like right there. It's a nice in between. It's like where the decision gets to get made. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And there's normally I put in a lot of pressure, which is not even necessary. But so I'm trying to unravel some things that I would normally do and sit with what that feels like. And so we'll see. I love it. Thank you. You're so welcome. I like these conversations. I do too. I do too. We're going deep here. We're having to reflect on maybe some of our own things, but these conversations are really healing and eye-opening. And I'm hoping that a lot of people can take with what resonates with them and maybe learn something. And that's my goal. Yeah. And this is the season though, too. We're in the winter season. And so this is where we definitely reflect and we can with them energy. So this is a good time. This is the time to release the episode, actually. We're in, the, we're in that winter energy, hibernation and healing. Yep. <laughs> I agree. And we'll talk again soon. And I, I just want to say thank you again for coming on and sharing your wisdom and, and all of your knowledge with us. So thank you. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I look forward to hearing from you. Please share your comments with me on Instagram at peoplecallmejess. Your continued support means the world to me. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Plus share this episode with a friend or loved one that you feel would benefit from today's conversation. Thank you for listening.